Come and join the photography and video show this coming March. Immerse yourself in the world of photography and filmmaking from the comfort of your own sofa. We're delighted to be able to bring the imaging community together online once again at our Spring Shoots virtual festival with a new refreshed format. On the 6th and 7th of March, we will host a packed weekend of exclusive talks and demos from legendary photographers, plus tailored masterclasses and the very latest kit from the top brands. Whether you're a complete beginner, a recent graduate or a seasoned professional, there's something for everyone to take the next step on their creative journey at the photography and video show. This year is a fresh start for everyone, so kick 2021 off with a burst of inspiration, ready to get out there and shoot. Visit www.photographyshow.com and register for free today. He Shoots, He Draws are proud to be an official supporter of the photography and video show. You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hello, welcome back to the first episode of 2021, or as everyone calls it, 2020 version two. Um, and we, we're, start, we're starting big. We're going in with a big name, a famous person, someone who's who's made an absolute career and a half for himself um in the rock music industry mr adam el Makais, welcome thank you halfway through that i was like is somebody else joining <laughs> <laughs> that i don't know about because i'm excited are we, are we just i was just saying off air like to adam like how have you stayed so young and he said well i am only 31 and then i realized wow i met adam uh way way back um photoshop world in, a, in his previous life and hadn't realized how young he was at the time because even then people kind of knew of you in in your like your previous role you were someone that people were talking about and I've always remembered you I've kind of followed you and Alan always talks about you so I mean let's we won't do it chronologically but because Photoshop World is where I met Alan I mean what what was that world back then for you when you were twenty twenty one? What were you, what did what did you want to be? I mean, honestly, at the time, I was doing these things called lens bracelets, which were like this bracelet <laughs> I made that looked like a lens. And Brad hit me up, you know, Brad Moore, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I did like a guest post on Kelpie. And he's like, "Yo, just come through. We'll give you like a pass. You can kind of hang out." And I was like, "Cool." And I was like close and I, I I mean I didn't really know. I didn't have like a goal I was going for other than to like meet people and try to understand that world of the photography industry. Because it is really a it is a really Photoshop world. There's a whole world there. Oh, and, definitely. Um, um I gotta see like you know, was, I gotta see like Deke McClellan. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Deke, Deke McClelland, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's who I watched in high school during every class on my computer to learn Photoshop. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. I gotta see some of these people live. And uh, it was nice. It was. It was. I mean, th for you back then, I'm guessing you you wanted to be some kind of photographer. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the world, 
did you think <laughs> did you think you'd end up where you are today? I mean, was that was the plan, or was that just through um, a friendship or an opportunity that came up? I mean, at the time, I was shooting music. Um, I think I met Alan there probably then. I you know actually Alan. Are we we were introduced. This is gonna this is gonna go back to the the weird days. We were into, introduced by um, Kevin Larue and. Lori Rubin at oh, Nick Software because you had you had it. done a, 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 a online I, I guess webinar for them and they called me up and they're like dude you, you you know Adam right and I'm no who's Adam <laughs> oh he when you come and you got to see what he just did for us and I was heavy into the Nick um, Silver Effects Pro black and white oh, God, conversion okay. software back then and and they were just like you have got to see you know. Um, this Adam guy, he shoots music. Haven't you met him? Don't you know him? I mean, like, there's only, like, one venue in San Diego. And I was like, no, there's hundreds of places to shoot music here. And <laughs> but that was when you started, like, popping up on the radar. And then Brad, um, and then and then we, Brad, you know, was, again, sending me emails like, oh, you got to check out this guy, Adam. You got to see what he's been doing with these bands. And um, I think the, the part that struck me the most was you became as recognizable as some of the bands you were shooting. Like, you'd go on warp tour and people would be like, "Like, yeah, Adam's over there." And like, who's he shooting? It doesn't matter. Adam's over there, you know. And um, <laughs> for those who don't know, I have a graying uh, ponytail, hippie look. Adam is pretty much the exact opposite. Um, he's a. Uh, <laughs> I'm an egg. He's an, <laughs> he's an alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember those lens bracelets. I think. Um, the first time I got one was as as a photo pass for All Time Low. Is that possible? Oh, I probably was like, hey, guys, can you hand these out to the photographers every night? Or can I, like, set them with their credentials? <laughs> and maybe somebody miscommunicated and thought it was the pass. But I would, like, find little ways to sneak them in while I was on tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, though. It's the opportunities. That's the thing I love about this industry is whoever we speak to, there's always, like, that one weird little connection that one meeting of a person or an opportunity a door opens and then it then it's down to the person to understand what that opportunity is and how to handle it and looking at you now and the way you've toured with bands being friends with bands and we've had guests on before I think it's a credit to your personality especially as you are you know to me so young is you could get into that world and be, oh my God, this is amazing and get up in everyone's face and like want all the free stuff and be the most annoying person around anybody. Yet it seems the complete opposite with you. It's like people want you on tour. They want you around the band. You you, you kind of do what you do seamlessly. And then when you look at the images, it shows that having that access gives you those more personable photographs than somebody like, 200 feet back in the in the stadium just shooting mm. with a long lens well, is thank that, you is that is that have you been I, I mean are you extrovert introvert is it something you've always kind of a world you felt comfortable around or did you just slip into it naturally you know i've reflected a lot in the past few years and i know you said that bands want me around but i think i just wanted myself around sometimes more than them <laughs> Maybe at least at the beginning, and I think I owe a lot of my success when I was, you know, I started touring when I was like uh, 18, 
And 18 to 24, I would say I was just inept to almost social cues, I guess you would say. And I would just put myself in situations and I was so happy about everything. You know, I'm from Wisconsin. That's just very, I had good intentions. Um, so I just, I think that I did that. I, I've really reflected on a lot and been like, did people want me around or did I just put myself <laughs> there? I don't, I don't know. But they're still friends with me, so I think it was okay. And uh, I kind of got yeah. lost on the question there. Feel free to redirect me. But um, uh, no, no, no. I mean, it's the, it, I think it's the you know, like Alan. Yeah, you know, Alan's been around enough music and enough yeah. bands. Is you know the horror stories. You've seen you've seen the behaviour of people. I know when I've had it, and I was saying to you off air that my older brother is really good friends with Keith Richards. I've been mm -hmm. priv absolutely privileged to be in that world and to be in that bubble and you learn so much like when you're kind of front of the house and you're watching the band you kind of you're a fan you're watching the music you absorb it you go home and then when you step across that line and kind of go behind the curtain and you see that whole different world and it's a machine and it is a bubble of people that you you very quickly realize if you can't behave in that world you won't last in it for very long at all. Yeah. And I've seen people like dragged out, pulled out. Um, it just goes to their head. Now, oh, you know, we're, we're talking Rolling Stones level, but I'm um, even at a, even a, not a smaller band level, but say a newer band level, you're still part of a machine that has to operate smoothly. And if you start getting in the way and hanging around too much, it does become very noticeable and you I'm sure you can be very quickly not invited back. Yeah. I mean, Alan will probably be able to uh, put to agree with this, but a photographer can and is often the most annoying person at a concert. <laughs> like, if you don't know what you're doing, you are the most annoying person. And I, I think I owe a lot of my ability to exist, you know, beyond the barricade um, to the fact that toured growing for so long and i understand and i really enjoy and understand and like to learn what everybody does on the road and alan i don't alan you haven't toured have you I, or a little bit but not not majorly i went out with some friends um years ago we okay. did a run on the east coast and um i used to hop on and off of um bob Rand rat dog tour like i do all southern california some san francisco but no i never like lived on a tour bus and and did that i have the exact opposite thing i i work as a venue photographer so i shoot a yeah. different act every single night <laughs> so i'm always thrown curveballs you shoot the same act multiple times you get to actually you know i I miss the days where I would shoot the same band four or five days in the same week because you can start looking for like really specific um, moments. You, you can be like, there's something that's going to happen like halfway through the show. I know it's going to happen. I've seen it three times now in the last week. I've, I'm going to be in the right position to get that. As a, you know, three songs and out regular photographer, mm -hmm. you just don't get to do that. That's the... That's the real, you know, joy of being, you know, on the road and, and talking and photographing the same act, you know, numerous times. You get to really get to know the musicians and what they're going to do, even ones that uh, you're not friends with. Like, I can't yeah. say that I'm like a great friend with Bob Weir. If, if he saw me now, he might recognize me from the years ago, but it's not like we hang out and, and chat, like we catch up, you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen. But yeah, watching him on stage, uh, knowing what songs are coming up, um, meant that I could be in position to capture stuff that a normal photographer wouldn't uh, 
just wouldn't be able to do. And um, I remember some of the shots you used to take when uh, I think you were, you were actually doing a tour in England and there was a shot like from the back of the venue that was just like this absolutely epically timed, beautiful shot. You know, like the entire stage was lit up perfectly. The audience was and it was like, dude, I know that you saw that shot like three times in a week and you were like, <laughs> OK, here it is. I'm going to get it. And what always struck me about that and it's something that I really want to touch on is that you didn't share 300 images from that show. You shared like two. Like, here's a close-up yeah. of, of a singer, and here's, like, this giant venue shot, and that's it. And that's so not what happens these days, where you look on and someone shoots a show, and you get 900 images of the same band, nearly like you're looking, like you're flipping through, <laughs> flipping through you know, back, you're like, oh, look, his finger's slightly different. It, it went from pointing up to pointing down, and it's like... Um, so I always like just admired that when I saw one of your shots come up, I paid more attention to it because there wasn't going to be seven hundred more of the same thing. I could quit right now. You just made my life <laughs> like literally. Well, I mean, it takes the right person to recognize that, and it takes you know, and it means even more coming from somebody like you. But that is definitely a goal, and I appreciate you saying that. Right. I, I, yeah, it's one of the things that I look for. There's two things that always strike me when I'm looking through someone's pictures. One is that moment where I'm like, oh, damn it, I wish I would have taken that. That's like the yeah. that's like the one where you just like, you know, it could be a show I was at, it could be a show I was, you know, nowhere near. It could even be, an, you know, like a, a, a show that happened years ago. But you look at a picture and you're like, <clears> oh, I wish, I wish that was, I wish that was mine. <laughs> I wish I could have done that. And the other one is that when you just look through something and you're like, holy crap, that just nailed it. Like, I can sit and stare at this picture and it it doesn't need any words. It doesn't need a caption. It doesn't need a title. It doesn't need anything. I can just look at the picture. And um, that that shot, and I want to, I do, I, I remember being on a, Europe, a European tour or maybe an England place. And it was yeah, club. I know what it is. And you just, and it was like, that was one of those shots that was just like, oh, I wish I would have taken this. And then I could sit and stare at it. And like, you look at all the little details and like, you know. Now, I will say on the other side, you did something that made my life absolutely miserable for years. <laughs> um, because, uh -oh. <laughs> so you, you got. I'm nervous. So people who don't know. We've trapped yeah. you. It's bait and switch. Yeah, here, here, here's the other one. Adam gets to work with bands. Uh, and he gets to set up cameras and he gets to set up remotes and he gets to set up flashes sometimes because he works in very dark <laughs> clubs with some bands that are starting out. And we had a guy show up at the arena where I was working who had a GoPro mounted to the front of his camera and he had a bunch of external flashes and he looked around going, where do I put these up? And everyone's looking at him like, dude, there's A, no video and B, there's no external flash. There's no flash at all. This is just this. And he turned and he said, but Adam did it. <laughs> What? Oh yeah, dude. You, like you never told me this story. Or something where you had what's his name? I I don't remember, but it was one of those moments where the um, <laughs> the manager of the building had to come over and be like, like a we don't know who Adam is, <laughs> and, and b you're not Adam, so uh, you can't do that. <laughs> That's a funny response. Yeah, well, they, they, you know, they're like, you know, um, again, we had when you're doing 50, 60 shows a year. 
running through a building, you're mm-hmm. doing, you know, one every week, you know, two every week, something like that. They don't, they don't care who the photographers are. Um, even I, you know, yeah. at times they're just like, yeah, we don't care if they work for the house. You just in and out three songs. That story would have been so much funnier if the guy gone, oh, Adam said, oh, no, then go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should. Oh, oh Ad- we're so oh, that sorry. Adam. <laughs> Please write this yeah, way. But it, but it was it was one of those <laughs> moments where you realized uh, it was one of them where I because I've been working at that as at the sports unit for ten years now. So this is going back probably eight years. It's going back a while, mm-hmm. and um, it was just one of those moments where I realized the reach of social media and the reach to the to the younger photographers coming up. Again, mm-hmm. I'm in my fifties. I was in my forties at the time, um, and there's a whole group of people who are in their for, you know who are in their twenties who were just starting out who were. GoPros were new. GoPros on the front of camera lenses, so you record everything was a was a thing. Um, it just didn't translate into the bigger bands who were still very anti-video. So, you know. Um, oh yeah, I got yelled at for that stuff. So. <laughs> Don't they? Well, how did I put you my find GoPro it? on my camera at Coachella? They're like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Okay, I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> did you find yourself at a point where I mean, obviously, people in the industry now know who you are you're kind of synonymous with with the bands and the music that you are a person that is almost photographed as well as photographing was there just like a point where you kind of just felt wow this is this has stepped up a gear i've got to i've got to be careful what i do now and obviously you know you've got a great brand you do a magazine. You don't just shoot bands. You do portraits. You do behind the scenes. You, you know, your your body of work is phenomenal. And like Alan said, the best stuff is up there. And you you sitting looking through the photographs, thinking I'd hang that in my on my wall. I don't even know who the band is. I just love that picture with the lights, or I love that the energy in the room there. Was there was there a defining moment for you where you were kind of okay? I need to get my shit together now because I am. I am a brand or crossing that line where I have to be very professional and business-like about how I'm seen now because there's more eyes on you. Initially, you're kind of the photographer in the background hanging with the rest of the entourage and you've got that luxury of getting the photographs, but you are well-known now. So how was that crossover for you? Well, you know, I was young, but I thought I wasn't. And if that makes sense. So there's, a, I, I would say I got myself into trouble, not like by doing bad things, just by doing things that were once okay. And mm-hmm. then because there were so many people watching me were now not okay. And it was a long, tough, constant learning experience, which ended up with me, I would say about three years ago, by choice, kind of stepping out of it, I guess you would say. So trying to play a little bit more of a role that didn't involve my brand. But I think the biggest moment was when, or what started happening was when I would be shooting these shows with these artists that I was so closely connected with and fans would be stopping me while I was shooting. And I liked the fact that, you know, I don't fault the fans for doing this because they're excited. Like this is their best day ever. They see somebody that online, not their best day ever because they see me, but their best day ever because they're at a concert. They see me, they wanna take a picture with me. The last thing I wanna tell them is no. But even worse to me is having a band see me taking a photo with somebody while they're playing a show. I just feel Mm. like that's like an ultimate level of disrespect. And it became a point where it was getting in the way of me being able to do what I love to do. So 
I entertained it for a while. Like I did merch. I had a, a booth on Warp Tour. I did like a lot of stuff for a few years. And then um, I remember one time like, you know, I just didn't really realize the pull that I had until um, I guess like the one of the moments where I quote unquote got in trouble, which wasn't really even trouble to me or when I was kind of bummed about my reach was I was doing a thing in actually Europe, UK, where I was like, told the bands, like, I want to go on tour with them, but I want to do something extra because I like doing this, but I want to do, like, I want to teach. So I was starting to have uh, interns come out for the show. Basically, you could submit online, like, the only rules were, like, you just had to be able to come to the show and shoot. And people got mad at me because they said I was taking advantage of these people shooting, and it really made me upset because... Um, the people that were shooting were having the best time of their life. And like what I wanted to do was teach and help people grow and, and do things. And I felt like my brand or people's awareness of my brand almost got in the way of that. And I don't know, that was the first time where I was like, okay, this is like the downside to having so many eyes watching you is that then you get people um, hating on you or I don't know, like that was like the first time where it really, it really rocked me. I remember being in the hotel room in UK, like, getting all this hate online and like people making Facebook posts about all these bad things I've done that I don't even <sighs> think they were real. Like I was like, where did this come from? And it was because they said like in their words that I was stealing these photos from these kids. And on my end, I was like, I just really want to help people out. So that was when I was like, okay, I need to kind of figure this out and figure out what my goals are and where I want to go with this. Cause it just it, it rocked me. I don't know. It really upset me. Yeah. It's a See, I thought, you, I thought what you were going to say there, wasn't that i thought you were gonna say because i know like the world of music is very similar to like the world of sport in that you can't just rock up with a camera and shoot a band you have to kind of put in the hours you have to get the passes the accreditations Mm -hmm. the respect and i thought you were going to say that by taking like using your um uh, like people who, who who knew who you were by bringing somebody in, I thought you were going to say the other photographers were pissed off at you because you're kind of going, "Hey, you come in and you shoot this band." Where there's photographers who have been working for a while who can't get passes. Maybe um, that that might have been the underlying root. You know, I honestly, it's so far from something that I can fathom feeling. There was a little bit of a disconnect there that maybe that is why, and maybe oh, you're on to something that I don't understand. Dude, people just people but, uh, just get really jealous when you have access. And it's some it's something oh, that yeah. happens on on a regular basis. Um, I remember being backstage uh, at a Bob Brown Rat Dog show in Ventura, and I had posted some pictures from the night before, and someone got really mad at me um, because I was profiting from the band. I, I don't know how. I still to this day have no idea how I was profiting because I never made a dime. So it was like a really weird thing, but it started this on again um, Facebook, you know, yay social media. Uh, and I remember being really, really mad, and it was set break, and I was like trying to scroll through all these people who were getting really mad that I was using my connections to steal Bob Weir's image, and somehow this was you know a bad thing. And I remember Bob came out of the dressing room and <laughs> looked at me and, and I, he just said, just do, do, do what you always do. And he walked on and that was probably the longest conversation we had, you know, that year. Um, and I, I, I was like, yeah. okay, it's obviously this has reached a point where it's just ridiculous. And I stopped posting pictures online for a while. I just, I was like, 
I'm going to take them. I'm going to have them, but I don't need to have the negative um, <clears throat> comments associated with it. It's, that's not what it's about. I was trying to share um, the knowledge. You know, I was just trying to show what I had taken. It was nothing about, you know, profiting. Yeah. So people always, you know, I, I wouldn't, I never take anything anyone says online seriously anymore because I know what I say online and, you know, seriously, no one should take me seriously. So, um, you know. I, yeah. I guess it was, I guess, like, just to talk more towards that, it was kind of hard back then because when it started, social media was, like, an aspect of my life. And then as it gained traction, social media very much became my life. Like, um, so when something would happen on social media, it would affect me to a very high degree. And all this stuff happened so organically and normally and seamlessly in my life that I didn't really realize these things. And I didn't have the tools to kind of take a step back and think about it. Like, I know I was in my mid-20s, but I can't stress enough that, like, 18-year-old me is, like, a 14-year-old for most people. Like, I'm a young, I'm a young slow learner. Like, very, it takes me a long time to get good at things. So, and um, I don't know. It was just, it, it, it's a lot. So, yeah, social media is wild. What's your, what's your social Let, media thoughts nowadays? What, what's, I was just yeah. going to ask that. How do you feel now about it? I've pretty much checked out, for the most part, on... Uh, like Instagram, Twitter, I use it, but um, don't really intake anything at all. I haven't for years, so I don't follow anybody. Um, I rely on personal interactions for that, which there's definitely a downside to. I wish I could intake the mass amount of information, but I just can't handle it. And then it makes me susceptible to a lot of things and bad habits and you know destructive thought processes that I really don't want to take part in. So... I've kind of agreed with myself that we'll take the slower path that might take a little bit longer, but it's so much more fun and enjoyable and real. Yeah. I, I don't know. The internet's full. A lot of people getting mad about things that nobody's mad about in real life. I don't yeah, know. I remember, um, was it Ricky Gervais or someone was saying how he sees like people on Twitter? He said it's like going up to a supermarket and there's a board on a there. guitar ad and it, yeah yeah it goes I hate guitar. it's like doesn't matter why are you ranting about it? it's not for you i just love that analogy for it and it's just people just love getting angry and i, th and I think as well because that is one of the best stand-ups by the way i just want to oh say. yeah keep going all... but that is gotta say respect to ricky for that one it's so funny yeah i love his stuff um I forgot what I was going to say there. I'm oh, yes. Sorry. So, no, no. So, social media, it, it's like this past year, which we will get on to, to 2020. Um, but like, obviously, this year, another social media platform has taken off. We've got TikTok was absolutely like everyone was piling on TikTok. And then so then you've got Twitter, you've got YouTube, you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook. And then now we're just coming into 2020. There's this new thing called Clubhouse, which is a, um, an audio version of social media. And it's people just become a slave to it. And then it's kind of you're not doing what you do best. You're you kind of changing your habits to feed a machine that's purely really for other people. And then all they do is kind of some people love it and some people shit on it. And it's you know, then you're responding to it, then you're having to deal with it, and then you're having to answer for because you maybe were misquoted or or posted something that was just maybe not quite right and, and suddenly everyone gets upset. And I'm just looking at your Instagram account now, I mean you've got three hundred and 
55,000 followers. There's two photographs on there. Yeah, I'll have you know that my Instagram account has decreased 160,000 followers in the past three years. That's awesome. <laughs> Not kidding. I think it's gone down I'm, like every week of 1,000 or something. It's pretty. I'm just like, all right, later. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not people you know. And this this is the thing. I some Someone was going on about social media the other day, and it was like, oh, Clubhouse is out. How should I build my community on Clubhouse? And I went back and said, why are you even bothering? Like, you should be working. This yeah. is you need to be working and creating a body of work and being the best you can be at that why are you worrying about building communities of people you don't know and it it just seems a very uh, a big black hole of time yeah that you're wasting you lose your goals you lose your focus you lose you know your passion yeah definitely well speaking of work and uh, <laughs> the fact that there probably hasn't been much in the last uh Oh man, going on nearly a year now since the uh, March March was March twenty twenty was the last shows I shot with actual people yeah, in the March audience, 15th. and um, it was a really weird kind of a closing weekend. Um, so uh, I know at the time, I think the last time I ran into you at an actual show was Panic at the Disco in twenty nineteen. Is that possible? It was. We hung out at that uh, Billie Eilish radio oh, show. Oh, yeah. We, okay. So that was a, a 91X uh, radio station Christmas show as well. But I'd, I'd run an Adam, you know, randomly at, at just like pop up like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, concerts. Yeah, concerts, hey, yeah. So, so <laughs> 2020 uh, COVID hits. Um, I think you were living in LA at the time. I think you you'd left mm-hmm. from San Diego and um, everything shut down. So what what did Adam do when the world ended in, in <laughs> March of 2020? Um, let's see. I had just started putting my agency to work at that point. So I started an agency on my own and then eventually with my friend Thomas, who's another photographer. And we had like four tours lined up. So we were booking creatives for touring that makes sense so people come to us we source some creatives they say hey we want photo and video on this tour we're like okay here's the person here's how much they cost here's what they do and then we had like done a lot of work for those and then all the literally one of the ladies who was going on tour was staying at my place getting ready to start the tour the next day at the palladium in la they all went to the show loaded in line check show canceled tour canceled corona started and i was like here we go boys (laughs) And uh, so the agencies just, you know, shifted gears. And then I went on some fun journeys. I did, like, I just started creating resources online and learning, net, like, uh, different avenues of working with people. So I learned Twitch, and I did some, like, raw editing challenges and some photographer hangouts where we just have people on a talk, just basically trying to get people together. And then eventually, through all that, decided, you know, that's just how I was doing it. I didn't shoot very much. I was pretty... I don't know. I just kind of kept to myself. I, I, it was too risky for me. And uh, I, I, I really just shoot music. Like, I shoot my friend's weddings. I like that. I, oh, I shot four weddings. So um, four, like, under five people weddings or ten people. And um, so I, I just started shooting stuff that I care about when I could. And other than that, no concerts. So I've just been doing me. I don't know. What do you guys do? Podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> nice. I it's I fun. work from I'm in the design industry so I oh. I pretty much just so I'm a graphic designer so I'm 
he's the he shoots, I'm the he draws. Um, but oh. I've spent like a huge part. I, I'm a photography fan in the way I'm a music fan or a sports yes. fan. Um, can't, I, I can't operate a camera to save my life. Uh, it's not for me. I'd, ra- I'd rather just enjoy other people's stuff, but I like doing the graphic design side. So I've been around photographers pretty much quite heavily for the past 10 years because yeah. you know I met Alan at Photoshop World. I've recorded stuff with Kelby One. I write for Kelby One. I've taught at Photoshop World. Um, but But all my friends are photographers. So I love that you know we've got the podcast that means we can still talk to them and see how Connect. they are and what they're up to yeah and, and everyone's much more available now than they ever were <laughs> I, know, I will tell you i'll drop it later but we started the podcast during corona like uh, in october it's so easy to schedule everybody on it is touring people or people who tour it's like we get them they're like yeah i'm available whenever you want i'm like <laughs> well, that, while, we're on the, while we're on the subject of it i mean Tell us about it. Tell us, you know, because podcasting has massively taken off and especially in 2020 because it's a, a great medium. It's the new like Netflix of radio. You can binge listen stuff. It's, you know, so easy to get a podcast up online. Um, what was what was the foundation of yours? I mean, t- tell us the, the beginning oh and, and what it's about and what it's called. Am I allowed to swear on here? Oh, yeah. yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's called Don't Shit on the Bus, which sounds <laughs> gross, but actually is a very serious name. But it was a journey, and I'm sure you guys have journeys that you can relate to where you like start doing one thing and it ends as another thing, but you don't know that it's going to end as that thing until you get there. You're like, this is what yeah. I wanted to do all along. I just didn't know it. But um, I've always loved teaching. I think I relate. Like That's why I look up to people like you guys. I think you're really well, well articulated, really good at teaching, and... I've been practicing my whole life to try to do a better job at it. So right at the beginning of last year, I wrote like a, a book query, which Alan will know is like what you send to publishers or your agent that then sends the publishers to get. Am I saying it's book query? Yeah, right? it's just a, a, there's, yeah, there's numerous names for it, but you had an idea for a book. You wrote it all out. You, you Yeah, I wrote the book out. I wrote the chapters. I wrote, you know, 36 pages, whatever. And... It was called Don't Shit on the Bus, and it was about um, being a photographer on the road. That was the original goal. And then nobody really picked it up, and I didn't want to self-publish, and I didn't really have enough traction to do the Kickstarter on it. So I was like, okay, let's do a podcast about it, but expand it to all of touring, and then kind of use that information to eventually create book or handbook or something. So Don't Shit on the Bus is about touring, and it takes... It starts from not knowing what touring is at all and then educates you for the first two seasons, but we're still in season two right now, on everything you need to know. Because like you said, it's like a whole world back there. There's like language and lingo and areas and jar. Like there's just so much that you need to know before you can start learning the stuff that you need to know because you can't understand it or decipher it. It's like talking with a photographer. They start talking about ISO aperture and bokeh and you're like, what the? (laughs) I just want to take a picture, bro. And yeah, it's like the same. It's like the same thing. So it's me and my friend Neil, who is actually in a band. He's in the band A Day to Remember, as a rock band from Florida. My band I've toured with the most. And so I kind of had that. I mean, you, uh, Alan, you're newer to this with um, Dave, right? Yeah. Like newer to being on this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, you've been doing it eight months, and you've been a guest. Oh wow, that's before. not newer. <laughs> yeah. You've been here like a lot of the time. I just yeah. knew that it had changed at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I apologies for not knowing that fact, but I mean, like, you take for granted that you, if you already have a relationship with somebody, starting a podcast is so much easier than it, for most people. So, like, most people don't have like, oh, I can talk to my other well-articulated friend who can do right. video talking <laughs> with me seamlessly <laughs> for hours. So, uh, luckily, I had a guy I toured with, and we're just like, you know, we're best friends. So it was really easy to start, and he's really good at talking. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the nice thing that's my is pitch. You, if you've if you've got the stories there if you've got the experience and just for those listening rule number one is you don't shit on the bus yeah if that you're is touring. rule number one you can't um, go you can't do it on the bus and it's the the, the thought process is, is it's selfish you know yeah uh, that's why I love them as soon as I saw it and I was reading like just getting up to speed on the stuff you've been doing lately I just saw it I thought oh what a perfect name for a <laughs> podcast about touring and. Thank you. Like, like, like I said, you having a little bit of experience of that world. It, it, I, what I love about what you do and the fact that I'm going to start listening to the podcast is, is that when you do kind of get that peek behind the curtain, it is really interesting. It is. It, I would love to read a book like that about you know hearing from a photographer or a roadie. Is they always they've got the best stories. They oh. get great nights out they get to like hear the little things that have got nothing to do with the band but like interesting people you meet and i've i mean i've got friends that even now i i bumped into a couple in las vegas waiting for my luggage to come through um and i had a rolling stones pin on my coat and he had one and we kind of just got <laughs> chatting oh you here are you my in town for the gig right there <laughs> yeah but it's like it's that awkward conversation of oh you in, you in town for the gig yeah oh if you come over from the UK yeah what just to see the Stones and you're like well yeah kind of my brother's really good friends with Keith Richards and then it's kind of, it, this whole new conversation opens up um, and then you kind of feel a little bit awkward because it's kind of well, I don't know is that showing off am I should I have told people that? Yeah. But we're really good friends. I've stayed at their house in Atlanta. They're a lovely couple. We've we met at a couple of Stones gigs. I've got them guitar picks and stuff. But it's just a random meeting. But um, like, and but but they go to loads of gigs and they touch they were sharing loads of stories of bands that they've been to see and got to befriend and and I'd love to have him on the podcast, even though nobody would know them. Their stories would be really interesting because of all the little experiences they've yeah. had, and I think they're the interesting ones. Not like how did you write Brown Sugar, or you know, <laughs> I want to hear the stories of the person on tour that like got to meet the mental roadie that <clears throat> fell off everything every night and smashed his head and still got up the next day was like crazy. Just, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking. I was just. I was just processing. Well, there's. All I could say was yes. There was an amazing thing that happened years ago. I, I it wasn't even a big show. It was a little, a little, tiny little show at Camp Land on the Bay in Mission in Mission Bay down here. And um, I was just, I knew Brian who was putting on the show, so I was sitting backstage, which was literally like a tent, um, you know, and, yeah, and behind, behind the yeah, stage, the backstage, you know. And <laughs> I posted one of the photos of um, this guy Mark and his bass player Bob, who ended up Mark's become a really good friend of mine over the years. But that photo got like 20 times the traffic than a shot of them playing on stage just because it was taken where people couldn't see him. And it was like they got a peek behind the curtain. They got a look at what happens, you know, in this magical 
backstage because to people out on the show it's a magic place concerts are like mm -hmm. magic happens there you know you get a really good band on stage and you get the energy going between the band and the audience and literally and this is maybe from my old days of the Grateful Dead this magic really happens in a, in a at a good show there's an energy that is just not anywhere else it's one of the reasons that I loved going to concerts and when people got a little glimpse of what like a little bit of like the behind the scenes magic they thought it was amazing when they get a full look at what it actually takes to load in and load out a show and the fact that they band arrives a day beforehand and has to spend you know eight hours hauling heavy gear up and down stairs or down ramps and then they, there's another six hours after the show is over where they're doing the same thing in reverse only to drive two hours up the road and repeat the entire process it takes a little bit of the glamour out of it but the magic still stays if that makes sense like people still like oh my god that is like one of the coolest things in the world and it's been one of the most depressing things this last year is to see a lot of my friends who tour sitting at home just like yeah we're not creating anything we're not getting paid anything we're just it's literally like become the worst year in their lives and that part of i will say oh, oh go, go right ahead i was just gonna say i will say respect to the people who have found, like, like, I mean, Alan, I'm sure you can relate or at least understand, like, touring on the road, it's like a fun job, and it's kind of a cool job, you know? It's like, hey, this is really fun. And there's a certain amount of ego sacrifice, or maybe that's the wrong word, you have to have to, like, I've seen friends who tour who now work at Target, and I'm, like, super careful and make sure that I, like, applaud that, right. because I think that's awesome. And I, you know, it's, it's really hard for anybody who works any job to say, I'm going to do something else for now. And I will say that, yeah, for some and myself included, I've sat at home for a long time just because it, it just rocks you when you've done something for so long. It's emotionally right. And there wasn't any, so I can't, there imagine. wasn't any warning. That was the, that was literally the yeah, thing we were imagine. shooting. Um, uh, I can't, Blake Shelton. Um, okay. And it was on like the Thursday or the Friday before the shutdown happened, like like literally that week. And while we were all there, we started getting word of tour cancellations. Like, like oh, Pearl Jam just canceled their entire tour. And that came literally as we were going down to shoot the show. We were walking down the stairs and it was like, okay, Pearl Jam just canceled. Um, and then... That's wild. It was like three days later, um, uh, Tame Impala played... And that was the last show. And that was on like a Monday. And by Wednesday, I was photographing an empty arena as a, we're shut down for the foreseeable future. At the time, I think everyone thought it was going to be about two months, three months. And yeah. that was like the weirdest thing to go from Blake Shelton sold out, Tame Impala sold out, screaming, you know, great, huge crowds, to two days later, nothing. Nada. And the word coming through, there was no like, Oh, you know, six months from now, we might have to slow down or like, cause you can, you can kind of get yourself used to the idea. You can kind of like, all right, I'm going to have to do something else. It's time to brush off the, you know, the good shoes and my one tie to go out and, you know, have to, you know, maybe interview for a job because things are going to come, you know, be tough. But it was like a guillotine. It was like, here's the touring schedule. And then just literally, like you said, in LA, you know, the tour got canceled right before the show started. And, um, that was that was a tough thing mentally to deal with for a while. I didn't pick up a camera for 
probably three months. It just sat here. I mean, I, I went and shot, we had some blood drives at the arena and those were, um, I have diabetes, so I'm a, I'm in a high risk COVID category to begin with. And, uh, so I'm like double masking and staying 14 feet away from everyone with a stick, but, you know, went and shot a, a couple of blood drives. That was like my entire work for like two months was that we, yeah. we had some blood drives and I've shot an opera in the parking lot. You know, that was, and again, it wasn't even the actual opera. It was the dress rehearsal. So there was no one there other than the uh, performers. And that's been... Just got to get your fix. Yeah, and it was. It was literally like by the time I, I left there, I realized I had completely overshot an opera that had like six people in it. <laughs> I had like 2,000 images. And I was you like, turned in 700 shots, didn't hmm? you? You turned in 700 oh, images. Yeah, I, I turned in like 150. I was like, I was just crazy overboard because it was just, it was like really back in the old days where it was like, oh my God, he moved, you know, an inch or two. And I had to retrain myself on, you know, calm down, just just the best, you know, had to go back through that whole concept. I just, as a, um, as a thing, I just took every image that I have shot at the arena over the last 10 years and put them into a single Lightroom catalog. And it is 700... Wow and 50,000 images in in 10 years and uh, <laughs> I can relate to you I'm doing the same thing but I'm using photo mechanic and then going yeah I, that's what I do normally but I'm I'm uh, I have some um yeah I'm, I'm testing some 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 software so um I'm, I'm I loaded up every single shot now people think that's a whole lot of shows but it's actually that's a lot of hockey and some locker room you know restoration and i even got on the roof of the building once and shot the parking lot oh yeah you know just really fascinating stuff but it's what you do behind the scenes um you know to keep busy and earn a living um but yeah it's been a it's been crazy because i averaged about 52 shows there a year um and then last year it was seven <laughs> it's like this just like went off a cliff it was like that's yeah. wild and um i should I know we've got something started in April, but I think it's parking lot again. So um, it's been a really tough time. And part of the reason that I that I do this podcast with Dave is, A, I, you know, Dave and I are friends and known each other for years, and I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people. It's also become an outlet so where nice. I can talk about what's going on and, and you know, discuss the changes that are happening. Um, I'm very disappointed in a lot of my fellow Californians who decided to leave the house and, you know, have parties and do stuff while my wife and I have been sitting here at home for nearly a year now and we don't go out and my, you know, no one has been in our house for, for, uh, nearly a year, like just the two of us. That's yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, there is one thing you've done, Adam, I, and I know you've start. I'm guessing you've started this before lockdown. And as a designer, as soon as I saw you done this, I was like, "Oh, get in! I love this." You did a magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't like a. So, sorry, go. No, I was, I was going to say, I, I my background is desktop publishing and magazine publishing, and um, I, I love that. So as soon as I see anyone's done a magazine, it's like I applaud the work you put into it because it's not that easy. But oh, no. again, it's it's another arm of what you've done. So what what was the kind of thing behind that then? Was that part of the process of thinking about a book or? Yeah, it was like a way to publish the work that I wanted to be known for. So when I initially did it, I think I started in 2014. And that was kind of like, it was the tail end of what I would consider 
me doing social media as a career, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was kind of like, after, like I couldn't sell a magazine like that anymore. I just wouldn't have the following. Like those kids are all like, you know, they don't follow those bands anymore. It was, it was, it was back then. But, you know, the first one, I, I, it was chronological. So I put six months or a year's worth of work in there and then wrote stories about each image. And I did that four times for a total of represented three years of my work. It was like one full year, two half years. And the idea was just to like teach people about what goes into the image, the thought process behind them and print the work that I really wanted to be printed that, you know, the artists didn't want or just ended up on their Instagram or like it just saw a blog or something that nobody read. And I was like, oh, I want to make a magazine. And then from there, I turned it into like a community project. So I actually got 50 photographers to do it with me twice, which was really hard and not profitable, but really fun. <laughs> Mine was profitable. I think it was easier to be like, here's my work of the bands you follow. You know, it did really well. And then those ones didn't do very well, but it was still, the process was fun. And working with all those people was amazing. And then the latest thing I did was I, we did like a VR gallery with ended up being like 94 music photographers which I probably should have hit up Alan for and I didn't so I'm sorry it's all right I'm just thinking about that right now that's for volume two the second it's the second yeah month you get we did we did a VR gallery we tried to get like uh to most of the the photographs in there like and Alan could probably agree with this like we didn't get that many live music photographers because a gallery of 98 live music photographers would get a little bit redundant. So we tried to get a variety of people like we got like, you know, like personal photographers for a lot of famous people like Ed Sheeran's photographer, or, you know, Beyonce or all these people. And they contributed their favorite images. And then we it was like a, you could like go to it and walk through it and click on each one. And then instead of having a handwritten caption, it was an audio caption that that person had spoken about their image. So you like walk through the gallery virtual because you don't go in, click a photo, and then it says, "Hey, I took this photo in this place because and I don't know. It was kind of fun. It was like real world, and it took way too long to make. <laughs> it was like coordinating photographers during Corona is the hardest thing ever. Somehow they're busy. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> we're all we're all we're all updating our old It's like herding cats. Yeah. Yeah. They shouldn't TikTok or something. <laughs> are getting their yeah, they're getting their TikToks on and their what is the other one? Clubhouse is happening. Oh yeah, this clubhouse thing. So now that you've had this kind of almost a year of sort of not doing what you're doing and yeah. sort of and diversifying, have has sort of teaching, stroke speaking become an avenue of because the past year for me, bizarrely, yeah. I love traveling. I mean, I miss Alan. I I always try and go and see Alan once a year whenever we go out to America one way or another I've spent two birthdays at his house in recent years um, his birthday or your birthday my birthday <laughs> nice yeah but I've as I've got older I've enjoyed the teaching side of it and obviously yeah. miss traveling but I've had a really successful year online of doing conferences I'm doing a talk next week is that something like you think now you're at a point where you would consider like do you think you could teach? Do you think you've got... I mean, I think your background is enough that you could easily do an hour talk online to a community 
either paid or unpaid you've got the experience is that something you kind of would feel comfortable going down now because there seems to be more online conferences where yeah guests like you would be really interesting i'll do it i don't know how to book them that well like i i did some stuff in real life like at soma in san diego alan knows the venue i did like some real life workshops before corona and was planning on doing more of those because it's fun like with a concert you know you go to Hmm. concert you put on yourself and take pictures you're never gonna do that so that was fun and then i I'm, I'm i'm like a sigma ambassador so they coordinate some talks but like if it was up to me like i'll do one every day like if you guys hmm. want to do this like let's go like i'll literally like i'm wait, i'm waiting on them right now so sigma if you're listening <laughs> let's do more talks because i'm trying to do stuff so how did that how did and, that come about because one of the one of the golden goals for a lot of beginning photographers is to get a sponsorship or to have a big name behind them so how did um your becoming a sigma um ambassador come about um, i don't know i think i'm probably one of the most annoying people to work with because i want to do everything all the time and it sigma was like the they had somebody there who understood my world and work like I've gone I've been there longer than the employees I work with now so it's been like I think who was the first person I worked with there the first lady I worked with there is no longer there but my understanding was I actually don't know <laughs> <laughs> I forget I think it's because I posted so much stuff that was sigma related for so many years like I like sigma art lenses a right. lot and Sigma Art was, I think the lady that used to work there, her like father or something created Sigma Art series like when he took over the company. And I think they sourced me through my social, like my social following whatever in 2014, 15 was like, those people that follow me use the internet a lot. <laughs> and mm. they made like companies noticed. And I think I got my in through that. But I like they're looking for somebody who's not using Sigma because they want a sponsorship. Right. They're using Sigma because they love Sigma. Hey, let's sponsor them. And then that's that's actually right like there. It. That's like, the key sentence in the whole yeah. thing. And um, I'm really glad you said that because a lot of people go, I'll just give a lot of lip service to company A, B, or C, and then they'll find me, and then they'll they'll give yeah. me stuff, and it'll be happy. And it, it people need to understand that it works the other way around. If you have a product you really love and you push it then you do it because you love and push it. You don't do it because you're hoping that one day Sigma or, you know, brand X is going to come and, and you know, make you a, a thousandaire or, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, there's not a lot of money in it. Honestly, Sigma's like a relatively yeah. small company compared to um, Canon and Nikon, at least the way they set up their ambassador series and uh, or whatever whatever the term is. So it's more like I just love the company that much. However, I might have to change my profile to not a Sigma ambassador at the end of how much I've shot this year because I don't think I've posted anything. And they're like, hey, where are the photos? I'm like, you know, I shoot concerts, right? right. <laughs> yeah. like I just I literally can't do me right now. So I would love to do more workshops. And um, just a matter of me learning that I should talk to people like you because I know you guys are really good at it. But uh, I like doing the workshops and talking to people, and I'm happy. You know Steve mm -hmm. Brazel? Steve, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's like mentor for me. Uh, he did my workshops in real life with me. He did my Twitch stuff with me. He teaches me so much about speaking and just how to hold yourself as a good person. Like he's just at the core, his value is so 
something I aspire to be. So I think that I could do workshops now, but I, I think the year of training of Twitch helped a lot, or half a year of Twitch. Um, and Steve. Yeah, Steve's, Steve. I, and I think you could. I think you, even, even with... 10 12 years of experience that you've got mm-hmm. you've you've kind of probably had other you know there's probably other music photographers that have probably done the same as you over 30 years mm-hmm. that you've done in 12 years but you've i know from the people i speak to you've got the personality to carry it off i mean well thanks I could, dave i've <laughs> i've watched I remember when you were on Kelby One, and I'd watch your class on there, and that was probably oh a few, years, probably five, God, five years, five six years ago. That's the kind um, of yo. Keep going, but afterwards, I got a question. Yeah, yeah, um, but I think it's it's interesting enough. I think you could easily do it um, because I'm part of a I'm part of a photography show in the UK, which is the now now Photo Keener's dead. It's now the biggest one, and they always say to me. Do you, can you think of anyone we could have as a guest? And because it's all virtual at the moment, I'm like, okay, I there's one coming up in March, but there might be another one in September. I'm definitely going to put your name forward because one it. of my fr- one of my friends connected to, to the show follows you on Instagram, so it's like, well, I know they know who you are. They haven't unfollowed me yet. They must be good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or they've not been on social media for ages either. <laughs> Wait, okay. Speaking of the Kelby One thing, I did that thing yes. in Florida. I would consider myself tenfold more articulated now. I remember, like, right before that one, I was so nervous because I forgot my shaving razor and I had to go back to my hotel and shave off my mustache. And I was just, like, so not well articulated. Is there ever a point, like, for you guys where you look back at what you did five years ago and were like, I actually did a good job? Because every time I look back, I'm like, what was I thinking? No. I've recorded six classes with Kelby One, and I've not watched a single one of them. Okay, me either, I... but one class. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm like it's one and done. I I I love that I can do it. Um, like Alan knows, I I had a football accident a few years ago, which means my left eye closes and twitches quite a lot, and I'm very self conscious of it, which is why I love the podcast because no video. So well, I've when I when I first started doing no, teaching. Um, and being on video, I mean, my first Kelby class, uh, RC Conception sat in with me to kind of give me a bit of confidence. And Meredith, who was uh, the producer at the time, we were set up in, in the room and uh, and you've been to Kelby One HQ. Yeah, Florida. You? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I'm in the little studio room and we've got it set up and I started doing the introduction and I could feel my eye kind of twitching and I hadn't told Meredith and she straight away comes on the speaker and she's like, oh, oh is that light by your head really bright? Because it's really making your left eye flicker and close. And I was like, oh, crap, I haven't <laughs> told her. Uh, yeah, right. Meredith, this is going to happen all afternoon. And it really, uh, it, it really pisses me off that it's there and I'm very self-conscious. And, it, and adults are really polite and say they don't notice it. And I'm like, bullshit, because your kids just pointed at my face and gone, what's go- what's going on with your eye? What's happening? Yeah. So, um, so, so it's something, it's really weird. I'm not comfortable being on video, but I, uh, I do like the teaching side. So now I do it that the, the computer's there and I'm looking at the camera, and if I start to feel it go, I can go, so yeah, so today, uh, let's have a quick look at this. And then this eye is off camera. But when I'm on stage, 
and and I stood up and and I actually put it in my slide and I, I put my name and the I in David. Yeah. I tipped it over and I said, "You'll see from my name, I've got a wonky eye." <laughs> and I said to them, "I'm not having a stroke. I'm not winking at you inappropriately. I've just had this accident. I'm very self-conscious of it. If I tell you all in the room, you're not all sitting there looking at me, thinking, is he having a stroke? Yeah, is everything but okay? It's like it's a massive block for me, but I just so love." teaching and also I, f- I find i earn more from teaching what i used to do than doing what i used to do yeah not not to talk about money like that but it's been a much more uh it's been a nicer process because like you you've got a wealth of experience and if you can take a part of that and turn it into something that's useful so like mon next monday i'm doing a talk on teaching photographers to shoot like a graphic designer in that think about where your photographs are going to go next Mm -hmm. so so shoot with that in mind and it's something i've been putting together but i love that i can kind of take that experience now and go hey look i've learned these stuff these things i've made these mistakes here's how you can kind of eliminate them from your process and make make a better life for yourself because everything is so fast and instant now yeah everyone has to produce you know 10 20 years ago you had time these days we don't have time it's you, instant and you know what's like social media yeah you just tapped into something actually right before this call as my warm-up call i talked to a lady who's in um college for the music industry because i'm trying to like interview people and understand what it's like to go that route so i can better teach and work with those people mm. and she was saying she was like there's these teachers and they're they're publishers. That's what they do for a living for music, but they're teaching. And I'm always thinking, are they failed at their job? And I was like, uh, I don't think so. And I agree with you. I used to think that way also. I'd be like, why would this famous person or successful person teach a job? And I told her, I was like, those people probably conquered their career. They're looking for a more challenge and how to grow and how to find purpose. And there's nothing better, in my opinion, and I'm sure you guys can relate, Teaching is just being part of somebody's journey is just irreplaceable, and it's just so yeah rewarding. Not in a like selfishly, yeah, I like to learn by teaching too. But you know, it's so cool being like, I helped that person get there. That was I helped them. They're yeah. doing awesome yeah. now. Look how awesome they're doing. I my life has I purpose. <laughs> you know, I know when I sat in on I think it was my second Photoshop Worlds. Uh, yeah, I think it's my second one. I did Alan's music precon. And I had a Sony camera, and everyone else had Nikon and Canon. Oh, I'm laughing now. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> How popular. Yeah, I And uh, Look who's laughing uh, And I remember just like, because I've got to know Alan and I love music, I just wanted to be part of this class. I've got his book. And it was brilliant. I'm just standing there as a band on stage. I think it was Scott Kelby's uh, band at the time that were doing it. And I took a couple of okay shots, and they... They were very kind. Alan and Scott were very kind and polite and, and said one of them was, was okay. Because um, there was a competition at the end. and I remember this. I, and I lo- and yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I know that Alan hated being oh. on stage and doing the whole presentation thing. But he's such a good teacher. I, he's always on stage. And, he's like six foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. The, the, real, the reality is that I was told years ago um, by... Uh, Dennis McNally, who was the Grateful Dead's publicist, and it was just posted to the show, is that um, he said, you're too tall. Make sure you just stay lower in the photo pit. The band doesn't want to see you. They want to see the audience that's behind you. 
and this is about me, not the band. Well, that, that and that, that kind of <laughs> became the thing is that I, I hated being noticed. I would try really hard to um, stay off to the side in the wings, even if I was in the pit. I don't like being in the center because um, I am tall and I'm six three, and I and I feel like I'm I'm annoying the people behind me. And I know as a fan for years, I used to go to shows. I know what it takes to get in the front row of a general admission show. It means you are there yeah. way early. You are sitting in a parking lot. You are standing in line and you are waiting. You're spending way more time waiting for the show than you're actually going to spend enjoying the show. Like by a factor of 10. Commitment, you know, baby. Like it's going to be crazy yeah. long sitting there. So it always used to bother me when I was noticed. And I, I, um, I'll throw Brad under the bus here because he's not here and we can do it. Don't shit on <laughs> we, were, um, we were shooting it. We had done Photoshop World in Orlando, and we went to the House of Blues to shoot uh, a show together. And I, I don't even remember who was performing. It was that long ago. And it was just, it was just the idea, like, I'd never shot in a, in a photo pit with Brad. We'd known each other for years, but we'd never shot together. And that's kind of something I wanted to do. And I remember at one point, he was dead center, and the spotlight was on the performer, and he was lit up. And she, like, looked down at him and, like, said hi. And I was horrified because that would be like my worst nightmare coming true. But for Brad and the way he was working and the way he was shooting, that was absolutely fine. It, like it was his, but my, so when I'm on stage having to try to teach, I'm, I'm nearly petrified. I'd rather sit and hide behind a podium or a laptop. Or I, when I did Photoshop roll, I used to turn all the lights down the room and basically be like, look at the pictures. Don't look at me, look at the pictures, you know, and, and try to do it that way. Um, but there's one more thing I got to touch on because you've done something that, uh, I believe you're the youngest person to do it. Um, is it a spandex it, suit? Does it involve a spandex suit? I don't suit? think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I, okay, keep going then. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Morrison Gallery. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, Morrison so, Hotel. Uh, yeah, Morrison Hotel Gallery. That's the, the full name, uh, is a rock and roll gallery. There's there's actually a physical one in La Jolla, I believe, where there was. I used to go in there all the time. Was it's L.A., New York, Hawaii headquarters is in Encinitas. So, tell us a little bit about that. Well, full circle here. Actually, the reason I'm in there is Kevin Larue. Oh wow! Believe it or not, so Kevin was friends with. I forget how they were working together. Maybe at Kevin's new software company. And he told him to check out my work and they checked it out. And I went there and did like an interview. And then that's like, they literally said to me all the things that I was going for. And I was like, you guys get it, please let's work together. And we ended up starting to work together over a year ago now. But like, you know, my goal as a music photographer, like you're saying is to not be like a content creator, but a fine art music photographer. Like I want my work to be art, not just, not that one is worse or or better than the other but i just don't want it to be just content for the day if that makes sense like i want what um dave said about how you know he doesn't know who's in the photograph he doesn't know what's going on but he likes the lights and i want that to be my images and they really identified with that and we started working together and i honestly to my own embarrassment was not very well educated on who they were what they did when i initially started with them so they taught me everything and like I would not have given them a hard time if they stopped working with me because of the amount of times I've sent them prints wrong. <laughs> like, no, you have to sign it and number it 
not just one of them. Yes, it has to be on the front. It's like they've basically had to hold my hand through the whole thing. Because I just, I mean, growing up the way that I've been shooting, you just don't know how to do that stuff these days. It's hard. And there's not like a, I don't know, nobody to taught me. I should have hit you up, Alan. Hey, can you help me do this? Well, I, but yeah, Alan, I, yeah, that, Alan that, that's mental. the whole story. So you have a, a, a gallery of about 40 images, I believe, up on the Morrison Hood. We're updating it. Roughly. Yeah, sorry. I didn't that's mean to right. interrupt you there. No, um, they're, they're a stunning collection of images. Um, and what I like about them is that they really they do run the gamut from uh, portraity backstage looking stuff to, you know, full on live um, performance stuff. And uh, and there's there's moments there's there's images here. I mean, there's there's one of, um, you know, uh, Brendan from Panic of the Disco, like smiling backstage. That is just such a friggin' great like impromptu at least to me like an impromptu portrait that you know he looks so damn happy that i was like man that is just a you know a fantastic shot i was just like oh that out of Thank all you. the things that stuck out to me and it's a um and it's weird because i've actually met him we, we did a trade shot last time they played in san diego and you know he seemed like a really nice guy and it was just but it was like a one or two second interaction this obviously man he looks just so happy to see you and have your his picture taken that it just i can tell you i'd say that's a testament to you as well adam i was saying before is once you become kind of accepted in that environment and we spoke to dustin we had dustin on the um podcast and and i'd said to him like you look the part therefore you're kind of accepted and he, he didn't agree with it um he kind of did in the end but i think with it, what I was trying to say is once you once they kind of become comfortable with you being there you got you would get that shot where another photographer wouldn't if it was their first day mm-hmm. because they're comfortable you almost become part of the furniture and you can get those candid shots and get those smiles and get those looks because part they're comfortable the with you I like that part of the furniture <laughs> I will tell you a fun story about that shot if sure. that's okay yeah go for it Oh, I was going to, and um, so that day I was covering for my friend shooting 30 Seconds to Mars, which is known as being a very difficult artist to work for, um, just because they're very particular with what they want shot, how they want shot it, and that's okay. It was, you know, like, I appreciate the level of perfectionism that they desire. And that moment when I shot Brendan was when my job with 30 Seconds to Mars ended for the evening, and then I could transition over and right before that shot, and I still don't know... Like, I've known Brendan for a long time, but um, I think he knows my first name. I don't know if he knows my last name. But uh, <laughs> he comes up to me and goes, I love it when Adam Elmokai is here is to take my photo. And then we took that photo. And I was like, he could have asked his TM. He could have given my name. I don't know. Either way, him doing that literally made my life because I was like, appreciate. he appreciated this. Thank you. Like, that's yeah. really nice. I, I, I don't get much FaceTime with artists. You know, I generally – am pretty extroverted when I'm shooting. I just keep to myself, do my own thing. Or introverted. I can't even use the right word. Introverted when I'm shooting. I just like to hang out in the corner, you know, be creepy. Yeah. But um, that really made it, and I appreciate that level of, I don't know, awareness to what he says matters. So it was, and, and then he was really happy to take the photo. So I don't know. I'm not trying to toot my horn. I just really, for me as a music photographer, that was a very rewarding experience. Yeah, okay, that. that makes it's, sense. And it stood out. The weird part was, out of all the images, it was like that look on his face really just kind of popped, as in that's just a, like a really unique yes. and um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh my God, I hate it when my brain fails me. It's a, it's a true moment. It's, it's there's okay. no posing in there. There was no okay. there was no fake part about it. It was an absolutely like just you um, just a true moment. It, it and that's you know that stood out to me. But uh, congratulations on that gallery, Authentic. man. Morrison Hotel. <laughs> I mean the the name Morrison Hotel. To those, to those of us who are slightly older who you know like grew up on the doors. That's a. I know what it is now. <laughs> that, that's that means a lot. But. Yeah, yeah. You you peaked so soon, Adam. Where'd you go now? <laughs> <sighs> podcast so let's, yeah let's so let's finish off um let's finish off with 2021 so obviously we all know where we've been with 2020 we're now entering a brand new year which looks like a kind of a continuation of last year what how i mean how do you see your 2021 unfolding what have you got anything new that you think you might try i mean music still looks like it's not going to be with us in the first half or first two-thirds of the year um, I mean, what's your kind of survival plan, Well, given the situation we're in work-wise? Fortunately for me, I have a little bit of money saved up. So at least that, uh, you know, and also with the combination of unemployment and help there, you know, I've, I've been able to at least secure my life, I guess you would say. Hmm. As far as work goes, I'm photographing. I've honestly, like, I like photographing music, but I realized and understood that I just like photographing people that I care about the most because I like the value aspect of it. So I've yeah. started photographing my friend's weddings. Um, granted, I'm very like, these are like, these aren't a hundred person weddings. I'm talking, this is the perfect way to learn how to shoot a wedding. Shooting four people at a <laughs> wedding is great. Um, so just been shooting that and uh, documenting like my friends are having kids. So I might go and photograph, you know, those situations. For me, it's just telling a story I enjoy. I'm not in a rush to go back to a concert. Uh, I'm totally down to wait until they get it all figured out. I'm not in a rush to go on tour. I have my podcast as my, I literally work on it every day, all day, because it requires so much research. And that's kind of my self, what do you call it? Self-contained kind of work. So I mean, we, we have like a, yeah. I don't know, do you guys use Discord? Have you ever used Discord? No. Yeah, you always discuss. Yeah, no, yeah. That this is how I found my corner of the internet that is not public. So I have like a Patreon that goes with my my podcast, and then people sign up and they get access to a private Discord, and that's what I spend most of my time on is working with those people, developing those careers, talking to them. It's just like a little less of a um, formal version of Slack that you can automate a lot of things in. So it's nice like that. And it's not open to the public, so we don't have to, you know, we can talk about private things or whatever people want to learn. Yeah, It's more, uh, you know, there's no hate, which is nice. So yeah. I don't know. That's what no, I'm it is. I belong, I belong to a couple of discords, and it's so much nicer yeah. that you know everyone in there um, and and you know that if there's any kind of bad behavior, you can quick quickly eliminate it and say, guys, this isn't what this is about. Yeah, you can curate um, it. Yeah, exactly, and it's a nice add-on to the podcast. Is where you you give an extra layer of if people really want to know, they they've got that hands-on with you. And I think that's been the nicest thing over the past couple of years is the people you admire and follow are more accessible now. Mm-hmm. And if you learn how to approach those people, you'll find yourself. I know my brother used to say this about being on tour. There's a big difference between friendly. Uh, between friendship and friendliness 
Oh, that's a good saying. Because, I like that. Yeah. Just because someone's friendly towards you doesn't mean there's a friendship. And, yeah. And you've got to so like... you've got to f- it's that balance of just, you know, you can be part of a world and, and get access to someone you maybe wouldn't normally have got it, but it doesn't suddenly mean you're BFFs <laughs> and that you're swapping phone numbers and you're texting that that person all the time. you got to read the room. Yes, exactly. And and I think that that kind of thing now has been really really cool. I've I've got a lot of value from from the groups I'm in. Um, not that there's anybody in there I wanted to access, but drawing on kind of information from other designers and people within the industry, whether they're from video or music or whatever. I I'm still learning a ton of stuff all the time, and I, I absolutely love it. And now I'm kind of stuck at home, and I have to do this. The podcast over the past eight months with Alan, we've had some great guests. Um, I've got, I've been lucky enough to connect with some designers that maybe I wouldn't have got access to before. That I'm learning a lot of things from, Just and and I think this year for me is a learning year. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to drawing on that and making good use of rather than just be stuck on you know chatting to people i want to pull something out and go right okay i want to get to the end of the year and learn this new thing because i am that little bit older you know want to be relevant in the industry and and be able to go oh yeah i understand that yeah i don't have to be a good photographer to understand photography i could probably teach an hour of photography and not even and i don't even have to pick up a camera because i've (laughs) absorbed so much from yeah, like even now I get a thrill when Joe McNally likes one of my posts and Joe's become a really good friend. But oh God, I'm still good. I'm still thrilled like that Joe is even looking at my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But, that's a surreal feeling, man. Yeah. Did you guys have a you don't realise what you absorb no? and kind of like, Sorry. wow, I'm I mean, most people at Photoshop World and in, in fact still a lot of people in the industry still think <laughs> I'm a photographer. And yet <laughs> that and it's crazy. Although the good thing is, when you go to a photography show and you start talking to other photographers, and they go, "Oh, so what do you shoot? Yeah, you're a photographer." And I go, "Oh no, I'm a graphic designer." Oh my god, I need a graphic designer. <laughs> and it's like, here's my business card. <laughs> it's great for me because I've I I've no um, desire to spend thousands on lenses. Oh, come on. And if I were to, I'd buy Sigma. <laughs> um, I don't have that desire to to go to a show and have to worry about buying all that gear and hiding it to get it in home past my missus. And then when she says, where did that lens come from? And you go, oh, I've had that years. Hiding you bought lenses again, sir. Dave, Dave yeah, yeah. listens to this podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we're gonna make a we're gonna make a public version and then Alan's wife's version. Yeah, yeah. It's just cut specifically. And one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a show was a guy said to me, "If I ever die, don't let my wife sell my gear for the value she thinks it's worth." <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> right, we've had enough of your time. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure and so lovely to catch up with you. Um, I'd love to have you back on, uh, certainly at the end of the year, sort of going into 2022, because I'm hoping you're going to do more teaching. I want to see the podcast do really well, um, and just see what you produce in, in 2021. And hopefully over the next two, three years, our paths cross and, uh, and we can have a, a proper good catch up. And I'll buy a lens bracelet off you. I'll give you one. I've got a lot. Still got tw- yeah, 20, <laughs> 20 lot. boxes I'm, in I'm the pretty attic. sure I still have one sitting on a shelf somewhere because I, re- I remember getting it as a, as a 
as a pass for a show. I'm thinking, that's a really cool idea. And then I just shoved it on, you know, with all the other <laughs> stuff that's back there. So. Cool ideas. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for both of your time and for having me on and just your genuine interest in my story and questions. I, I, I appreciate it a lot. And um, I think it, yeah, honestly, our paths nice. have crossed for the last decade, you know, kind of weaved in and out. And I'd see in San Diego, and it's kind of funny because originally you were like this tour photographer, like everywhere else, and I had a mortgage. <laughs> I was like, you know, like going out <laughs> on the road, no, because I got a, I got a mortgage, I got a wife, I, I got bills to I pay. Have, I buddy. got bills, I got things, and, yeah. and um, I mean, I know you're, I know you're still young and the rest of, it, but it is kind of fun to see you growing up a little bit and. Um, you know, settling down, <laughs> realizing that you, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Can't tour well, forever. Get, we're going to, we're, we're going to come back to you when you're 40 and then when you're 50. Okay, when he's 50, I no, hope I'm not doing be, this. What's depressed? No, when it's that's depressing, I'll be <laughs> yeah. 75. That'll be cool. When's the president? Oh. Um. <laughs> well, I and on a, that, on uh, that bombshell, <laughs> um, Thank you very much, Adam. Um, I'll put this this episode will actually be going out on Wednesday. Um, you're going to be the first episode of the new year, and we'll publish this on Wednesday. Um, so if you've got any, if you've got a headshot, you can send over, uh, or or a, and another really good image I can use. But yeah, thank you so much. I'll put the podcast link in and anything else your website. Uh, I won't put your Instagram, <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get you on again in uh, a year or so and and see what you've been up to yeah thank you guys so much i appreciate it i'll send you that stuff and i just wanted to apologize i wrote a note here for interrupting you guys so much i just get so excited oh and the words just come out and i'm like adam let them talk it's a podcast one audio at a time. no 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 I'm, i need to, i need to say at the, at the beginning of every episode and i'm gonna do it this year um, just to warn the audience, because I, I want to do less editing. Yes. <laughs> so it's very much, okay, just to let you know, we are going to interrupt each other. We're going to talk all over each other because that's the downside of being on Zoom. Yeah. Um, when you're in a room, you can read the expression on a face. We normally do like put a hand up, but no, seriously, I've loved everything you've told us tonight. It's been brilliant to have you on. And um, this, yeah, this will be Wednesday. So. For me... Well, for me, the show has just been about having conversations, and conversations mean people speak over each other. So good. That's the way it goes. You guys are good. <laughs> yeah. Alan, let's hang out when Chris is not here because I live really. What are you, Golden? Yeah, you're in the same town. Where, Where do you live? Ocean Beach. Oh. You're an ocean. hippie, man. I, I live on top of a hill in Ocean Beach, so. I just want to let you know that Nye's, Nye's father is like an old, my girlfriend's father is like an old school music manager, works in that world, and he's very closely, I, I'm assuming you're a deadhead, right? Is that yeah, what I'm gathering? Or, you, I feel like, all right, I'm going to do some digging here, but I feel like uh, God's, I don't know, I'm going to connect some dots. I was, uh, I, I was yeah, I was out I was out with Bob and Rat Dog for a while, and I used to follow the Grateful Dead back um yeah. I mean, the funny story was I, I just went, I was a dead, I liked the music. And years later, I end up, you know, backstage standing there photographing, you know, Weir. And it was just a weird, like, holy crap, how did, how did I get job. here? <laughs> you know, like, really, like, one of those moments I, awesome. I literally looked around and went, how the hell did I end up back here? You know, but, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really That's long, awesome. strange trip. So. 
Well, hell yeah. All right, guys. Have a good rest All of right. day. A good yep. and you. All right. Cheers, Adam. See and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Hold on. Cheers. Bye-bye.